I am going to invite the discipleship school to come on up here. So come on up, guys. Let's give them a hand as they come on up here. These 10 students have been pretty amazing, I'm telling you. Some of them I've got to walk with since they were in, like, grade 9 and uh, watch them raise up to be insecure, pimply-faced teenagers to the men and women that they are today has been quite the honor and privilege. Some of them moved here from BC. Some of them took a little bit of a a longer road. Tammy, I'm speaking of. Come on, guys. Get across the stage here. Wow, 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 wow. Look at them here. And so it's pretty amazing to see what these guys have done. And we're just going to introduce them to you. And they're going to share a little bit, something that they want to share. I'm not sure. Uh, but they're going to share a little bit of something with you. And I think we're going to start way over here with Brenna because she's trying to go last. So we're going to start with Brenna. The last shall be first, the Bible says. Can I get an amen from someone? Amen. Hallelujah. Here you go, Brenna. I was trying to be last, you know, best for last, you know. Okay. I'm, um, I'm Brenna Rempel. Uh, my parents, my mom works here as the administrator. My dad's always the drummer. Personally, the best drummer. Sorry, Mitch. <laughs> and um, I'm really excited for our missions trip because I'm so excited to see a different, you know, world and everything and just see, you know, and understand this world better with how people actually are in, like, such big places. And, like, we're going to L.A. and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. Okay. Hi, my name is Cole. Uh, I'm the one who moved here from BC. Brittany used to live in BC, but um, one thing I've learned this year is that along with a love relationship with God, it's a practical relationship, and we've got to see that in the different ministries we've served at, and um, that's what I'm really looking forward to in our missions trip is to see God's activity and just how we can serve the kingdom in different places other than our home. Awesome. Hi, I'm Dana. I am one of the ninth graders that Pastor Matt has known for many years. Um, And I decided to come to uh, MDS because I wanted to grow in my relationship with God and learn more of who he was and learn who I was in Christ. Hi, I'm Tammy. I'm the oldest and the shortest, but that's okay. So (laughs) I came to MDS because growing up, I knew God, but I didn't know God. And there came a time in my life where I needed God, and God just stepped in, and he welcomed me back. So I have learned that you're never too old to learn about God. That's right. Or anything else. Come on. Hello, my name is Hannah. Um, One thing I've learned in MDS this year is that I really don't know as much as I thought I did. Like reading the Bible and how it can come alive to you or how to pray or how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I think those are all very important things to have in your Christian walk of faith. Amen. Hi, I'm Matthew. Um, I came to NDS so that I could know more about God than I already did. And uh, just so that I could figure out what God had for me in in my life. Uh, I'm Sam. Um, And I just really enjoy... Uh, reading the Bible and then relating the Bible to my life. I'm like, oh, look, I did this stupid thing. That relates to this one guy in the Bible. And then, <laughs> you know, keep going with my life. And I'm just really excited to see uh, that, you know, wherever I go. Hi, I'm Kim. Really awesome. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I decided to come to MDS because, like, 
I, I knew God, but I didn't know, know God, you know, I, like I knew, but I didn't know. And I wanted to know. And now I know. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really awesome. Hi, I'm Devin. Hi, I'm Devin. And I started going to discipleship school because I wanted to deepen my relationship with God even further than I could ever imagine. Awesome. Hi, I'm Luke. Um, I'm the son of the guy who was up here with the guitar. Uh, I um, came out of high school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, I heard from Josh Melvin actually about um, discipleship school and how, how great it was for him. And I thought, you know, it would be a really great thing just to take this year and have this, have this experience and, and build up my relationship with God in just a practical way before I go and do, you know, whatever I want to do. And I, it's been really great. I got to be with uh, all these people here, and um, I'm super excited to go on the missions trip as well and just, just get to experience that part of, of Christianity. And Yeah. Awesome. Let's give them a hand. This is your discipleship school. And uh, we're going to invite now Pastor Rick to come and share with you. A lot of you have heard that we were going to Haiti, and obviously now you've heard we're going to L.A. So Pastor Rick is going to give us a little bit of, of what's going on, and here, give it up for Pastor Rick. Oh, Luke's got the mic. Yeah. Okay, you guys head off stage, get ready for what's next, okay? So good morning. We're really excited to be able to just share with you this morning. Um, again, sort of the big question that I'm sure everybody was asking, but it's already been answered, but, you know, where are we going and what are we going to be doing? Well, um, one of the most important rules about being a disciple and being a missionary, maybe Michaela can answer, what is the most important rule about being a missionary? Being flexible. So we're getting to practice that already. We had already made plans. Some of you have probably heard to go with Haiti Rise, going back to Haiti again. But um, we started noticing some things were going on on Facebook, and we're like, what is going on? So protests started breaking out in Haiti on, in February, early February. And what was happening is that they were demanding that the president of Haiti resign. And the protesters being led by the opposition party said that they wanted to create a new government that would provide some social programs. And there was... And as you can imagine, in sort of third world countries, there can be a fair bit of corruption. So were there some allegations of corruption as well? Um, and this was based, based on a report that the, that the government had misused $3.8 US million that was given to them as a loan. So it was a significant amount of money, right? Um, and then there's also been just sort of some economic problems that have arisen, cost of living, cost of fuel, food, all of those things have also increased significantly in the last little while. So this sort of caused some outbreaks in the nation. And so um, the president has not resigned, so that's kind of where that's at. But in response, the group that we were going with, Haiti Rise, they have canceled all incoming trips. Um, the team that was there was kind of stuck there for about an extra week, but everybody did get out, everybody did get home, everybody is safe. Um, and just so you're aware, like, so now the, the mission, Haiti Rise, they're sort of just helping with some food distribution, and 
So just sort of to give you an idea of the cost of living that has changed, for them what they would hand out in kind of like rice and beans and oil and that kind of thing typically would cost them about $3,500. It's now costing them $6,000. So you can imagine just for the, the, the person whose average income there is like $2 a day, that, uh, that would make a big difference to their, their um, cost of living. Um, so this is what I'd like to just even ask you guys as a congregation is just continue to just pray for Haiti. Pray um, just for stability in the government and just pray that, you know, like that if there's corruption that it would be exposed and that they would just, you know, again, that righteousness would just rule the nation. So then it kind of left us in a place, well, that's not going to work. So then we have to make an emergency kind of plan. So um, we've decided to go to the Dream Center in L.A. Yeah. There's a few of you that have been there. Yeah. I personally believe that it is... It was, for me, it was an experience that was greater than any of the seven wonders of the world. Like, it was a wonder of the world, just in the way that God just was working there and the things that were happening. Um, the Dream Center, for those of you that don't know, it's, it's a faith-based, charitable organization. It just finds needs, fills needs for struggling people from all over the United States. It started in 1995, thousands of individuals and families, and if they found hope and healing through the different programs that the Dream Center offer, offers. Um, it not only, they aim not to just sort of fix problems, but then just bring discipleship and, and mentor people and um, all of that as well. Um, their mission is to just connect broken people into community of support by offering free resources and services that address immediate long-term needs. Um, and then now, like, so they'll take people there and kind of just train them. And it's sort of like a, if you want to call it, it's like a new type of missionary. Because you think of missionaries and you think of China and you think of Africa. You don't think of Los Angeles, do you? No. But, you know, we need missionaries everywhere, don't we? We need missionaries in Edmonton. We need missionaries in Mournville. So they've kind of created this sort of new term. And it's sort of like an urban missionary right, where people are just sort of going out to meet needs, even within the, the local. Um, and it, it's a big kind of um, value that Pastor Greg has as well, just sort of that, just ministering to the people that are in our community. So I'm just going to show you a quick video about the Dream Center. The Dream Center was my last place to go because I had been everywhere three times over and, you know, this was my last chance. I was hurting people around me and I, it, didn't, it didn't affect my life, it didn't hurt me really, you know. And I didn't care if I lived or not, I didn't feel like I had a reason to live. I knew that the only way to get saved and to get help and to live again was through God. Our pastor Matthew Barnett was alone in Echo Park and God told him, if you want to build the church that I'm calling you to build, it's going to be a church that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And every single ministry that's been birthed out of this place over the last 16 years have been birthed out of a need. His slogan is, find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. And that's what we do every single day here at the Dream Center. Pastor Matthew just started knocking on doors in the neighborhood. 
So he becomes like the neighborhood janitor, right? He starts knocking on doors and just saying, how can I serve you? How can I help you? What do you need? Um, he started this program called Adopt-A-Block and that evolved because he met a guy that was on drugs and it wasn't enough just to knock on his door on Saturday or invite him to church on Sunday, but he needed 24 seven recovery. So you got this discipleship program. That's a recovery program that he lives in for free completely free and so this guy comes in and his life is totally recovered step by step and it's a year-long free program. We have trucks that go out every single day into the community feeding families that need it. It's the largest nonprofit food bank in Los Angeles. A million pounds of food every single month that not just comes in but then goes out. The medical truck is a really cool thing. It's a fully functioning medical clinic on wheels. They go down into homeless shelters around LA. They go out every single day. And basically what they do is they give medical care for free to those that don't have any insurance. Family came up to Pastor Matthew after service and they had nowhere to go. They were evicted from their apartment, had hit hard times, and literally had no place to go that night. I knew that by that next week, we would have a full-blown family floor program. And sure enough, on a Sunday, we brought in our first family, and by the next Sunday, we had an entire floor here at the Dream Center with families that had nowhere to go. Every ministry that starts here started that way. Money follows ministry, so you get in there, you do the ministry, We'll jump in with both feet. We'll figure it out later. There's always something going on. This building to me is a, a place of change. It's a place that's changing people's lives. And the crazy thought about it is to think this is 100% not government funded. This is a bunch of donors, a bunch of people giving a dollar, $10, bigger checks, whatever it be, and making this place run every single month. Every day on this property, miracles are happening, God miracles. You can't help but get excited about that. I grew up with an alcoholic father. He was kind of angry and abusive. And then I was molested until I was about eight years old by a really close family member. Left me really confused, didn't know what to do, didn't know what was wrong. I started cutting myself and smoking cigarettes, hanging out with the wrong crowd. Then when I was 11, I got addicted to Vicodin, and that just sent me on a downward spiral. And from the time I was 12 until November 27th of 2010, I was addicted to heroin and crystal meth at the same time. I ended up getting pregnant with my boyfriend's child and about two and a half months into it I had a miscarriage. I didn't know what to do, so I tried to kill myself. This was my last resort pretty much. The Dream Center was my last place to go. I went from being physically and mentally addicted to heroin and crystal meth for four years and now I don't need it at all. It's hard to change, it's hard to look at yourself and scoop out all the bad stuff and scrape all the nasty stuff out of your heart and you know, I used to worship the devil and now I'm worshiping God and like I, it's not just I believe in him I have a relationship with him like I feel him it's not just like oh he's out there somewhere in the universe like he's right here with me and he's always going to be there no matter what happens and that's what we do we rescue people we rescue the drug addict we rescue the kid that their parents have given up on them we rescue the homeless family that has nowhere to go every single day 24 hours a day seven days a week the dream center which truly is the church that never sleeps is all about rescuing people
I'm Kim, as most of you probably know. Um, so to me, this drama kind of, sorry, I'm out of breath. <laughs> um, it speaks a lot of life into what people go through on a day-to-day basis. And, and sometimes we don't see it. Like they, they don't see the struggle that some people go through. They don't see the addictions and the pain and the loss and all that. And um, so like at the beginning, it started off with like God loving us and we're living with him and we're, we're in his garden eating from the apple. And um, like we're loving him because he first loved us. But then sin came in. And there was lust and there was money, alcohol, image, depression, suicide. These things are people, things, sorry. These are things that people struggle with on a day-to-day basis. And like, we grow up in a world thinking that it's okay to have things that make you happy. But what people don't tell you is that sometimes it kills you instead. It's, the world tries to tell us to do certain things to fit in that we need to be thin, strong, popular, rich, have all the guys or girls falling at our feet. But the world has expectations and standards that we live up to. But some people don't even want to be there. They're just there because other people are telling them to be there. So um, I was the person that played the partier. And truth is, I've struggled with a lot more than just alcohol and drugs. And I have. And it sucked. <laughs> but um, I also was the girl that wanted to be perfect. And I was the girl that thought that if I had enough money, then maybe people would love me. Or, or if, if I had enough guys falling at my feet and loving me, then maybe I would actually feel loved. And then at one point, like through all these addictions and all these struggles, I was like, God, where are you? Like, I grew up thinking that the, the God up there created the whole entire universe, the trees, the mountains, everything. So then why did he create me? Why did he create me like this? So just like in the drama, the addictions, addictions kind of like pull at us and tear us apart until we're like left on the ground hurting ourselves because we think that we're worth nothing. And, but you can see in the drama that even, even then when we went through all that, God never walked away. He was still there standing there waiting for us, telling us, hey, come back. Like, I'm, I miss you. <laughs> and even when we were struggling, like, he was being nailed to the cross. He, he wasn't doing nothing. He was actually taking our sin and our shame and our guilt. And he was, he was saying, no, I got, I got a better life for you, and I'm going to take this away. Just wait. Be patient. And you may relate to one specific person in this drama, or you may not relate to any of them at all, or maybe all of them. But it doesn't matter. Like, the point is that, the point is that you're, you're serving the God that saves. And that's what this drama is trying to get across, is that he's never left us and that he's here, and that he still saves no matter what we go through. He still loves us. He's still here for us. And so even though everything might be pulling out, pulling, pulling at you, God is still protecting you. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I had an idea of who God was, but no real relationship with him. I grew up with two great parents, but they fought a lot. I grew up with some great friends, but those same friends led me to suicidal thoughts. And I grew up with an amazing extended family, but a member from that family I had to deal with a sexual assault from. Like any life, I have good memories and bad, but for me, I always seem to focus more on the bad memories. I kept beating myself down, thinking that I was ugly and unworthy and unloved. And I kept thinking this way until I found myself at Gull Lake Camp. 
Here, I found a relationship with God. But still, it wasn't a good relationship. I was stuck, wanting to know God, but not knowing how. And this continued until God sent me a magic bean. I met Brenna Rempel in grade nine, and we became friends almost immediately. She introduced me to Pastor Matt in the youth group, a place where I really felt like I belonged. I met people there like Chelsea McManus, who I could talk to and I always felt safe with. People like Evan Soper, who really called me out on my crap and helped me become more outgoing. With this new relationship with God that I found, I found a new relationship with myself. I started seeing myself the way God sees me, beautiful and strong and loved. With any life, I had some bumps in the road, but now I know I can overcome any of them with God. I have an amazing group of friends now who I love and couldn't live without. I have two amazing parents who I love and couldn't live without. But most importantly, I have an amazing Heavenly Father whom I deeply love and I truly couldn't live without. My name is Dana Peterson and this is my story. Hi, my name is Devin Marsden and today I'm going to be sharing my story as well to you guys. So like Dana, for all my life I've always believed in God because my family was born into a Lutheran church and if someone would ever doubt God's existence I would defend that. But that was, only, that was the only extent I had to my belief with God. I never worshipped him, I never actually went to church and it wasn't really much of a relationship, it was just an acknowledgement that he existed. And eventually, I was, my dad was posted here to Alberta for, uh, during my childhood. And in that time, I had been overcome with this sense of loneliness because I had been moving away from all my friends, all the people that I could go to when I felt lonely or just down and about, right? And with that loneliness came a desperation to fit in. So during my time, especially in middle school and early high school, I would go from crowd to crowd, like trying to find people that I can just laugh with. And it didn't matter to me whether or not they were mean or nice. Like I wanted to fit in and that made me want to change myself for better or for worse. And I just, I also had just forgotten about my belief with God in that time. Eventually I was invited to the youth group by my friend Luke because he had wanted me to go for a long time and he knew that I had a slight belief in God, but I believe that he wanted me to tap into it further. So since I had nothing else to do with my free time, I decided to take up his offer and go down to the youth group, and I had lots of fun. It was a great experience for me, and I wanted to go and see more, right? Because there was just lots of people there who were nice and accepting and just wanted to talk to me, so that was great. I finally found a crowd. And eventually, word came out that I was a bass player, and since the, since the youth worship team was uh, growing at the time, they wanted to get more youth involved. And since I was a new youth, they could probably tap into my relationship with God as well, which is good. So after a nice and long chat with Pastor Matt and Chelsea, Chelsea McManus, I was accepted onto the worship team. And afterwards, Pastor Matt had prayed for me. And this is the first time someone had ever prayed for me before. And aside from my parents no one has ever actually spoken such kind words over me. And it was super powerful for someone like me who dealt with people who never really had much to say to him and was just sort of tacked onto all the groups. 
And with that prayer sparked an eagerness to learn more. And as I continued to attend the youth group and do worship, I began to understand the purpose of the worship. And I began to understand why the youth group is there and the duty of the leaders and the duty of the pastors, which ended up me coming to church and eventually the discipleship school. And still now I'm learning about myself and my relationship with God and it's been one of the best experiences of my life. And I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy that I'm able to see you all. And I just want to thank you. I wore heels because they make me feel confident and powerful. <laughs> you walk into a room and it's like, anyways. Um, the sermon I'm going to be preaching for you today is called A New Dude in a Rude Mood. And I'm going to be reading out of Mark 5 if you have your Bibles. I sure hope so. You're at church. So they arrived on the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. As Jesus got out of the boat, a madman from the cemetery came up to him. He lived there among the tombs and the graves. No one could restrain him, and he couldn't be chained, and he couldn't be tied down. He had been tied up many times with chains and ropes, but he broke the chains and he snapped the ropes, and no one was strong enough to tame him. Night and day he roamed through the graves and the hills, screaming out and slashing himself with sharp stones. When he saw Jesus a long way off, he ran and bowed and worshipped before him, and then bellowed in protest. What business do you have, Jesus, son of the high God, messing with me? I swear, if, don't give me a hard time. And Jesus commanded the tormenting evil spirit, get out of the man. Jesus asked him, tell me your name. He replied, my name is Mob. I'm a rioting mob. Then he desperately begged Jesus not to banish him from the country. A large herd of pigs was browsing and rooting on a nearby hill. The demon begged him, send us to the pigs so we can live in them. Jesus gave the order, but it was even worse for the pigs for the man, than for the man. Crazed, they stampered off a hill into the sea and drowned. Those tending the pigs, scared to death, bolted and told their story in the town and country. Everyone wanted to see what happened. They came up to Jesus and saw the man, mad, bad man sitting there wearing decent clothes and making sense. No longer a walking madhouse of a man. So this story kind of leaves me in awe every time I read it. And the first reason is the condition that the man was in. This man was in rough shape. He had been roaming the cemeteries naked, dirty, caught up from torturing himself, and not in the greatest mental state. He was crazy. So crazy that the people in the town felt the need to tie him up with ropes and with chains, but he was so strong and so crazy that he broke free from them. And to give you an idea of how strong that is, you know like when you're walking down your neighborhood and you see the dog like tied up with the chains? Those are big, strong dogs, and there's a reason they're tied up with chains and not rope but even those dogs can't break free of those chains. This man was a force to be reckoned with, and I'm sure he wasn't the kind of neighbor you'd invite over for a Sunday brunch. He had become an outcast. He no longer had friends or family, and he didn't have community with the people in the town because they were all afraid of him. And sometimes I feel like we relate to the man in the cemetery. Not that we're so far out there and so crazy that like a whole town is afraid of us, but sometimes we feel like an outcast. Like nobody understands what we're going through and sometimes we are too afraid or too ashamed to share with anybody. So this, this means we seclude ourselves and we build up walls or we put on a mask. And that distances us from the people that care about us. The second part of the story that leaves me in awe is the way that Jesus addresses the man. Jesus didn't run away in fear, cowering like the rest of the townspeople. He didn't call anyone to come tie him up, be like, hey, he's loose again, bring the ropes in even though the madman was on the loose. Jesus got to the root of the problem, and he got down to the level of the man, and he walks up to the man, and the first thing he does is cast the evil spirit of the man. Like, no biggie, just like, 
Be gone, evil spirit. Jesus gets down with the dirty people. He doesn't look at this man and decide, it's too far gone, not worth my time. It's pointless. And the townspeople had been exposing this man to hatred and to ridicule. So Jesus turns the tables around and he exposes this man to love. I think a lot of people live in fear of having their masks taken off or their walls being torn down and the fake stuff being exposed. So many people live maintaining the stuff that hides the less than pretty stuff. You know, the hurt, the sin, the self-doubt, the family problems, your divorce, the stuff you don't want to display in the front of you know, your face when you walk into a room because you don't want to be defined by that. On the outside, it's easy to look fine and put together, but we harbor this stuff in our hearts. And that way it can eat away at us. Just like the man had been hurting himself alone in this graveyard, it ate away at him. And you know what? Let me tell you a secret. You know, you don't need those walls and you don't need that mask when it comes to God because he already knows. He already knows what's in your heart and he already knows what's inside. So when you think you're hiding it from him, you're really not. I know living in fear of being judged makes you feel like you need that defense, but you don't. Jesus wasn't afraid to get on the level of a new dude with a rude mood, and he sure isn't afraid of anything that you could bring him. Jesus wants to get behind your walls and behind your mask and speak the life-liberating words to your heart. And the result of hearing those words is like a deaf person hearing a symphony for the first time or a blind person's bandages being taken off their eyes. And for me, those words that were that I was loved. That, that was my big word moment. That was my liberating moment to know that I was loved by God. For you, it might be that you are forgiven or that you are valuable or that you are a child of God. And it doesn't matter if you think you're too far gone, if you're too lost, if you're too crazy. If he can take someone like that man in that story and totally transform his life, he can do whatever you've got and t- change it for the better. Verses 14 and 15 say, everyone wanted to see what happened. They came up to Jesus and saw the madman sitting there, wearing decent clothes and making sense. No longer a walking madhouse of a man. When Jesus touches us, he changes us. He doesn't just touch us and then nothing happens and then walks away because you're still in the same state. No, if he's going to touch you, he wants to change you. When you walk away from an encounter of God, you become a new person. He will never look at you and say, that's too big of a problem for me to deal with. And I think sometimes we think that, or we think that it's too small of a problem to bring to God. That is not the truth. You can bring everything to him. So if Jesus can take a rude dude, a new dude in a rude mood and turn him into a rad lad who is now glad, no longer bad, now fully clad, and now because of Jesus, he's got a cool new heavenly dad, he can take whatever you're hiding and transform you. Nothing you ever bring him will surprise or shock or scare him. He already knows, and he's more than ready to respond in love. That's the truth. So what I want to leave you with is this. Nothing you can do, nothing you can say, and nowhere you can go is too much, too crazy, or too far to receive God's love. Pretty amazing, hey? Wow. Let's give it up for the whole team. Really good. You guys stand up. Stand up. Or uh, not, not everyone. No, not everybody. Simon didn't say, all right? Just the discipleship school students. Stand up. Stand up where you're at.
And I'm going to get you guys to reach your hands towards them. We're going to pray over them and bless them. There's some up here, some over there, some in the back. Father, thank you. Thank you for these amazing young men and women, God, that are just doing everything they can to follow you, God. It it was such a, a blessing to hear their testimonies, God, to hear how you spoke through Hannah, to hear how you spoke through the drama, God. You are so good. We're a blessed church. We're a blessed church because of these men and women that are here. And so, Father, we pray your blessing upon them today in Jesus' name. I thank you for each one of their lives. Lord, let it, let it just flow. Let them, let them be filled with your spirit every day of their life, God. And, and let this just carry forth into those that they love and, and those whose lives they will touch, God. So we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I, I'm telling you, I was standing at the back there. And uh, my heart is so full right now, watching uh, some of these people, you know, that you, you pour your life into, and, and really it's a culmination of, of what our church believes and, and tries to do. You know, we believe that at the Father's house that we make disciples right from the nursery, right from birth all the way to death. And you know, what you're seeing today in, in a lot of ways is a culmination of the family, and the blessing of family. You're seeing the blessing of the Christian school. You're seeing the blessing of a youth ministry and a kids ministry that some of these young people have come up through. You're seeing now the discipleship school that they've been a part of. And, and now they're disciples, they're men and women that are going out and changing the world and changing their, their lives. And I don't know if you noticed, but some of them were like, well, I'm here because of that person that's in the room. And there's others that are in the room because of that person. You know, I listened to uh, Dana's testimony there and and t- she talked about Chelsea McManus and Evan Soper. And, and there's so many that on that team, the Shanna Hyans and Carlos Hyan. And there's so many in this room. It takes a village, really, to, to do this, right? We're a team. We're a family. And there's so many people that are impacting so many different people. So I just want to say thank you to everybody from our, from our kids' ministry, to our Christian school, to our youth ministry, to the, those that serve faithfully every Sunday that are helping make some of the most amazing disciples this world will ever see. Let's give a hand just to everybody who serves so faithfully. And you know what? I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at what these young men and women are going to do. You know, I listened to Tammy and uh, Tammy encourages me all the time. Last night, I was, I was really down, and Tammy sent me this amazing long text message, and I was up right away and just heard the Lord that I needed some encouragement. And uh, I, I just love that. So we're going we're gonna to move on to the next portion of our day. But I, I, I want to just commend, Pastor Greg's not here, but you need, you need to commend Pastor Greg for how he just is trying his hardest to see people become disciples in this in this region. Pastor Greg is a really good man, and, and he is doing his best to see people know Jesus and to follow Jesus, and anybody who says different is wrong. So I, I think when you get a chance to see him, just, just say thanks for some of these amazing young people, amen? And, and the fact that our church values youth and values kids, that doesn't happen everywhere. So thank you for also giving so generously to that to make sure that happens.